calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hi, and welcome again to another edition of Take 15 series by the CFA Institute. I'm Ron Rimkus, and I'm joined today by Matt Moran, the Vice President of Business Development at the Chicago Board Options Exchange. He's formerly Trust Counsel for Harris Bank in Chicago, as well as Vice President of Business Development at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Uh, Matt has a uh, diverse background in the uh, derivatives markets, and today we're going to talk with him about his experience and his perspective uh, on derivatives. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Matt. Thank you, Ron. Uh, our first question is, uh, over the past uh, 15 or so years in the markets, uh, we saw the technology bubble in 1999. We saw uh, the uh, real estate bubble in the markets in the early 2000s. We've uh, experienced the financial collapse in 2008. We've seen tremendous volatility. And of course, uh, uh, professional investors in their portfolios have been grappling with dealing with this obscene level of volatility. How has that affected the mindset of investors over time, and what are they doing about it to, uh, to uh, grapple with volatility in the marketplace? Well, Ron, I would totally agree. Investors have been dealing with a lot of things over the past 15 years. Uh, in the late 1990s, for example, a lot of the stock market was booming. The NASDAQ index went up more than 70% one year. And a lot of investors were very, very gung-ho on the stock market. A lot of them said, I can be a great stock picker, and a lot of them actually wanted to take leverage positions in the stock market. So the expectations in the late 1990s were very, very gung-ho, and there wasn't a lot of interest in risk management and volatility management type strategies in the late 1990s. Obviously, the mindset uh, dealing with all the uh, issues that have come up over the past 15 years, though, the mindset of investors really has changed quite a bit, and particularly after the year 2008. What do we see in the year 2008? Well, a lot of indexes went down more than 50%. And the mindsets of investors, many investors anyway, have totally changed. A lot of them are saying, you know, I'm willing to forego some upside in my portfolio, but if I'm dealing with a financial advisor, I want you, Mr. Financial Advisor, to help manage the overall risk of my portfolio, to help me deal with cat catastrophic events. I've got insurance on my car, my home, my life. I want you to help insure my stock portfolio and add more income for my stock portfolio in times when interest rates are low. So I really want you to help us out. Um, furthermore, too, a lot of investors said, hey, what happened to my portfolio in the year 2008? It seems like all my investments went down. All the it seems like all the correlations went to one. And it seems like volatility went sky high. What happened? Um, I thought I was doing the right thing, but it seems like diversification doesn't work anymore. And so um, you, we at CBOE have taken a look at that, and we've looked at different issues. And, and for example, let's deal with some of those issues as far as did have correlations all go into one? Well, it's tough to say they've all literally gone to one, but sure enough, a lot of correlations certainly have gone uh, very high to record high levels over the past few years. You know, if you look at 10, 20, 30 years ago, 
the Russell versus the S&P might have had a correlation of 0.8, the EFA versus the S&P 0.1, the GSCI versus the S&P uh, a zero or negative correlation. All those correlations have come up. Russell to 0.93, EFA versus the S&P to 0.85, the GSCI to about 0.75. So correlations have gone up, that's 0.1. A lot of indexes went down, but the question is, and, and for example, the S&P, the EFA, the GSCI all went down more than 50% over the 16-month time period around the year 2008. But the question is, what went up during the year 2008? And you know, there were some indexes that went up, some assets that went up. For example, treasury bonds went up. The um, managed futures indexes went up. The hedge fund index went down about 20%, but the managed futures index actually went up about 20%. Gold went up slightly, but the number one asset that went up the most would be volatility. And so we've got a lot of questions as far as, well, how can I access volatility? Furthermore, Ron, if I could get into another point you made, uh, you talked about sky-high volatility. Did volatility hit record levels in the year 2008? And you can't, one can go back and actually look at historic volatility over the past 110 years. And I think a question that could be presented is, if you look at 30-day historic volatility, what were the most uh, volatile time periods? And actually, interestingly enough, the year 2008, the fall of 2008, actually was only the third most volatile period. You had 1929, which had even higher volatility of over 90, and you had 1987, which also in October also had somewhat higher volatility than you actually had in the year 2008. Wow, that's uh, uh, quite an uh, encapsulation of the history of that market. Um, given the, a lot of people would say that uh, through increased globalization, uh, increased uh, trade flows, increased uh, ownership of financial and monetary assets uh, across banks, central banks, the whole entire global banking system, yeah that we're sort of forever embarking on this movement towards greater correlations as we move forward. Um, number one, do you agree with that? And number two, um, given that there's this uh, trend towards increasing uh, correlations, um, what, what do you think the long-term ramifications of that are? Well, you know, with higher correlations, you deal with real challenges as far as trying to implement the uh, modern portfolio theory, implement classic diversification. And as you mentioned, with higher correlations, more globalization, more multinational firms, actually a lot of the U.S. firms in the S&P 500, for example, now get more than 50% of their revenue from overseas. So naturally, you're going to see higher correlations for a lot of, a lot of well, worldwide companies. But I think the, uh, and so the, the challenge that's presented, though, if you, is you have higher correlations, and if everything goes down, if everything's going down all at once, what can you do about that? And some people have asked, does modern portfolio theory even work anymore after the year 2008? And as a matter of fact, in the year 2009, Professor Harry Markowitz actually published a paper in the Investment Professional uh, magazine where he, he acknowledged, he said, yes, you know, a lot of assets did go down in the year 2008, but he said, you know, before people complain too much, actually, he's, according to him anyway, assets move roughly in proportion to their betas in that U.S. stocks went down, international stocks went down even more, Corporate bonds went down, but not quite as much. And uh, treasury bonds actually went up. So Professor Markowitz pointed out at least one asset that did go up during the 2008 crisis. I think a challenge for us, though, is to say, well, he's looking at traditional uh, investments. And the question is, are there other investments out there that I would suggest that, you know, in addition to treasury bonds going up during the year 2008, assets such as gold went up, um, 
managed futures went up and volatility went up more than 200% during the year 2008. So there are other investments that one could look at if you do need to uh, diversify your portfolio. Okay. Well, as we stand today, we're in a very low interest rate environment globally. And what is an investor to do to deal with a low interest rate environment when he wants uh, greater income and greater risk-adjusted returns? How does he deal with that situation? Well, that's a good question. I think that a lot of people, you know, you've got to be careful. Past performance is not a predictor of future performance. And, for example, a lot of people might be tempted to look at things like uh, treasury bonds, for example, and say, boy, they've, they've performed pretty well. They've been a pretty good diversifier over the past few decades. And I would suggest that, yes, that, that might be true in the past. But the problem you have is with the low coupon rates now on treasuries, the question is, or the issue that's presented to you as a prudent investor is, you know, well, what, you've got to be forward-looking. And with the low interest rates right now, can a lot of fixed income investments um, generate good risk-adjusted returns going forward? I think from coming from the SIBO, we, um, we have dealt a lot with that issue recently. And a lot of people, for instance, are going to their financial advisors now and saying, what can you do to help increase the yields and income in my portfolio? And I would suggest that if people do want to take more of a look at this, you might want to take a look at the whole idea of selling options for income in, in your portfolio. And many, many more financial advisors are getting more up to speed on this whole issue. As far as if an individual investor comes to a financial advisor, says, how can we add income? More financial advisors are saying, well, if you've got some IBM stock in your portfolio, maybe we could write some covered calls. There is a little bit of a trade-off there in that if you do write the covered calls, you're giving up some upside, but you're taking in that income. And a question might be, well, how much income can I take in? Well, we've got a few benchmarks at the CBOE for the buy-right strategy. Buy-right strategy is where you're buying stocks and writing options against that for income. And so question might be, well, how much income can I take in? And for example, with the BXM index, we do have charts and studies on this. With the BXM index, you're writing one month at the money options on the S&P 500, the SPX options. How much income you can, can take in? Well, the gross income on the BXM has been about 1.8% per month, which comes out to over 20% per year. Uh, which is quite a bit of gross income. Now, that's i got to warn you, that's not net returns, but 1.8% is quite a bit. Furthermore, too, the numbers can jump around a little bit, but if you take a look at the VIX, the VIX volatility index, take a look at the level of the VIX, and you divide by 10, that roughly is the amount of gross premium you get on the BXM index, this buy-right index, because it's a one-month-at-the-money index. So, for example, in uh, late 2008, in October and November, the VIX got up to 70 and 80, quite high levels. How much premium income did the uh, BXM take in? It took in 7% in October of 2008 and 8% in November of 2008. So there's quite a bit of gross premium to be taken in. Again, a one warning would be this is gross premium, it's not net returns. You've got to learn more about the buy right strategy before you do jump in and you do have a capped upside with your buy right strategy. Well, that's all the time we have here today. So, Matt, thank you so much for uh, joining us. We're glad to have you. And thank you for joining us as well on Take 15. If you'd like to access more of our content, please visit cfainstitute.org. Copyright 2011, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. 
This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.